We are so excited to be joined by our friend Paul Shirley today, who's going to be talking about a book that couldn't be any more needed in the in the, in our faith right now, the Christian home. Hello, Paul, and welcome to Exposit the Word. Brother, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. Paul, we spoke in the summer. Many of our listeners would have heard the interview when we discussed your book, Expository Sanctification. How did it? How did the uh, launch go, Paul? What sort of feedback have you had about your book? Yeah, we've been encouraged by as the book's gone out there, and and a lot of encouraging feedback. And and I think what I gauge it by the most is how it impacts my own congregation because yeah. that's who the Lord's called me to shepherd. And and uh, I've just been so thankful for the way the Lord's used that and, and allowed that to be a resource in our own congregation for folks to. Uh, better understand the role of preaching in their own spiritual growth. We had a guy recently come to our church, and we give that book out to visitors in our church, and yeah. and he read it that very week and came back and said, okay, we're going to be here. We're going to stay at your church. I realized I did not even understand what sanctification was, yeah. and I didn't even know what preaching was supposed to be. But now that I've, I've, I've studied through these things from the Scripture, through this book, I know that we need to be here sitting under the Word and in a church that's going to help us grow in sanctification oh, wow. that way. So, wow. uh, you know, I could tell you some other testimonies of how the Lord's been so yeah. gracious to, to use use it, uh, but uh, certainly He gets the glory for, for how His truth impacts the souls of His people. Absolutely. So, Paul, you, you've been a busy man. You've now written another book, The Christian Home. Tell us about your new book and why, and why you wanted to write it, Paul. Yeah, this actually, I've had the opportunity to be a part of several uh, writing projects and have a couple of books out there on my own. And of the books that I've written on my own, this 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 might be the one I'm the most excited about because I think it's the one that will be most useful in ministry and to folks in our church and potentially other churches as well um, because of um, – how relevant it is for so many families trying to battle through the spiritual dynamics of home life. Um, it, in, in the book, I deal with some principles from Ephesians five and six for both marriage and parenting. So it's not exhaustive on either one of those, but it certainly covers enough principles to try to deal with both of those areas of your home life. And I, 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 there were a lot of books that are really helpful on marriage and a lot of books that are really helpful on parenting, but really I I, I don't know of many, if any that bring those together in one accessible book. So that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I preached through this material from Ephesians five and six in our own congregation. And uh, the Lord used it in a special way in our families, in our church. I got a lot of requests for, hey, pastor, can you make this material available for us to study further? Yeah. And so that's that's where the book came from. I put the book together, uh, wrote it out, uh, designed it to be useful for, for study and discipleship for, for families in our church. Uh, it's also uh, a tool that I'm going to use for premarital counseling yeah. for young couples who are, who are moving toward family life. And um, so we really, as we were working on it, as I was writing it, 
uh, I really wanted to make it a useful tool in ministry and discipleship. One of the things that I love about the book is you've designed it in a way where you can certainly read it on your own and it's such a useful resource. But it's also, um, you know, you recommend it a few times to, to use it as a tool that you'd read with your spouse and your kids. Tell us yeah. about that vision, Paul. Yeah. Yeah, I think in, in discipling guys a lot in my church and in doing a lot of marriage counseling, one of the things that, that I've seen over and over again is is sometimes it is hard to initiate deep spiritual conversations. Mm. You know, whether it's it's our pride that leads to embarrassment of having to admit past mistakes and, and and publicly repent in front of our spouse. I think that's usually what it is. But sometimes it's hard to get momentum moving forward on these kind of spiritual conversations. So one of the things that, that I would pray God would do through this book is uh, get the ball rolling on these conversations with with married couples. And if you're reading it together and there's questions at the end of every chapter that deal with some implications, if you're reading these things together, you're going to start talking about these things together. And, and wives are going to have the opportunity to speak into their husband's life about their leadership and whether or not they're being faithful as shepherds and and husbands are going to have the opportunity to to give their wives input on their submission to the lord and submission in the home and there's going to be a lot of things to evaluate for parents on 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 how they're shepherding their children and does it match what the scriptures teach and uh, so I, I i don't i don't uh, uh i would never want to advertise this book as providing all the answers yeah but it does point back to a lot of the key principles from scripture and it and it and it creates uh the opportunity to have some discipleship oriented conversations about all of these issues yeah so good it can seem like the family is falling apart in our culture at the moment should we be concerned about the momentum of where this is all heading oh absolutely absolutely i think there shouldn't be an ungodly fear because the gates of hell will never prevail mm. against the church but there certainly should be an alarm as we look at what the western culture has turned the family into and i think our response to that needs to be to uh, make sure that we are modeling for our children what a biblical family looks like and make sure that we are instilling these biblical principles in their lives and and, and in their thinking in previous generations uh culturally the the way the family was viewed was just closer to what the bible teaches it doesn't mean there were more believers or it doesn't mean that there was a holier generation before this generation but just culturally yeah. we were closer to a christian view of marriage and family mm. but but we have strayed so far from that now that we have to much the way that paul did with the believers in ephesus make sure that we are going back to the basics of God's creational design and revealed will for what a family should look like so that our thinking is not influenced by the world on these things, but instead it's submitted to the spirit in these matters. Bearing that all in mind, 
you know, you, you look a little bit further on down the line. I know you've got three kids, haven't you, Paul? And, and I've got three as well. Yes. You, you, you'd be forgiven for thinking it's going to be a lot harder for our children to stand and, and there's going to be a real sense of persecution for them taking a biblical view in the world and, and with yeah. the way that the momentum's going. But how do we as shepherds and as parents help lay down such strong foundations that when these tests and trials do come as they grow up, that they do take a biblical stand on such such issues? Yeah, I think it begins with clearly teaching these principles. I mean, we we have to have a, a biblical clarity on these issues as we instruct our children into them. Yeah. Uh, we need to be taking them back to texts in the Bible that they can root their faith in. Yeah. Uh, I think so many of the really my generation have strayed away from these biblical norms in part because they don't see them as as divine mandates it's just well that's what the culture was before and the culture's evolved into what it is now mm-hmm. and and i don't want my kids uh, to to root their thinking on these matters just based on cultural whims i want them to base it on biblical texts yeah so they know what the scriptures uh, speaks to uh, says in these issues explicitly and 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 they know that they have to either believe what god has said or reject what god has said and that's what it comes down to it's not about cultural this or this generation or that generation it's about what god has said so we have to be clear in the articulation of these principles which which by the way good leaders always have to be uh, clear in articulating biblical principles. Yeah. Um, so, so we have to lead our kids in that way. And then we have to model the blessings and the benefits of God's design in our own homes. I mean, part of the reason why, uh, when, when I preached originally through Ephesians 5 and 6, and then when I got into this writing project, uh, much of of this material just seemed so normal to me because this is what my parents modeled for me. Yeah. The, the, there was never any uh, drudgery or begrudgingness in, in my parents' heart about having to submit to God's plan for the home. Yeah. They, they not only diligently pursued the Lord in these matters and enforced biblical principles on these issues— but they also made it a joy. And that's what I want to give my kids. I, I want them to be able to discern the lies of Satan and to see that there is uh, spiritual death and despair in chasing after the world's view of marriage and family. But, but despite the difficulties and the diligence that's required, there is great joy and uh, there, there is great blessing in pursuing God's design for the home. There's something there as well, isn't there, within the leadership of a family about how we role model our own faith. So our kids are going to be looking at us when, you know, how, do, how does mum and dad react when there's a, a trial? Are, they, are, they, are, we, are we praying as a family? You know, is that, one of our, is that our first um, action to, to go to the Lord with our issues? And t- talk to me about that, yeah. Paul, in terms of how... how how best do we role model? And also, how best do we, should we act as parents in, in role modeling our faith when, you know, we're human, we're sinners, we're going to get things wrong as well. Also, tell me about how we role model repentance as well. As Oh, absolutely. As, as parents, we, we need to make sure 
that we are demonstrating for our kids um, the all the principles that they will need to live a faithful Christian life. Mm. Look, only the Spirit can regenerate the hearts of our children. Only God can save our children. I can't. I can't save my kids. I'm not a savior. Yeah. But I can be a shepherd to them and, and, and not only biblically teach them the categories that they will need for the Christian life, but also model it for them. I mean, that's what a shepherd does. That's why God consistently uses the shepherding motif as an illustration for authority and leadership in the Bible. It's because the shepherds were, were right there in the thick of it with the sheep out in front leading the sheep where they needed to go and protecting the sheep and feeding the sheep. That's what shepherds do. And so as parents, as we're seeking to shepherd our children towards uh, uh, um, godly faith and a biblical view of the gospel, we need to make sure that we're modeling these things. That means we have to joyfully submit to God's word, even when it might be difficult or go against our own desires. They have to see us doing that. Yeah. They have to see us sacrificing to worship the Lord in every area of our life. Mm. They also need to see us modeling the kind of repentance that is, is necessary on an almost, if not daily basis in yeah. the Christian life. Yeah. Which means when, not if, but when, I sinfully respond to my children out of annoyance or I allow my interaction with my kids to, to be motivated uh, uh, by, by my uh, inconvenience rather than my love for them. Mm. I've got to go back to them, clearly articulate how I sinned, how that violates God's word, ask for their forgiveness and, and and express my desire to repent and pursue the Lord in these things. Yeah, wow. And I'll, I'll tell you what, not only does that model mm. what they need to do, mm. but it also opens the door for them to be able to come and pursue that same kind of grace, not only from you as a parent, but from the Lord. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to yeah. I'm trying to teach my kids biblical categories. I yeah. want them to know certainly what what the law is and what obedience looks like. Mm-hmm. But I also want to give them from a very early age this category of grace. Mm-hmm. They can't understand grace fully until they understand that the need for obedience and their inability to keep uh, God's word perfectly. Um, so so there's got to be, uh, uh, some kind of enforcement of God's standard in our home. But at the same time, there also have to be instances and opportunities for them to learn about the grace that's available when we confess our sins and seek the Lord in these things. Yeah. And one of the best ways that we can model that grace is to seek forgiveness and express repentance to our kids when we do sin in front of them and sin against them. Yeah so helpful that's amazing unsurprisingly the the word submission has become such a dirty word in the culture today what's the clear biblical view of submission and and what what is the principle of um submission that we should be looking at yeah i think the the world hates the idea of submitting to god in every area that's what romans one is all about uh it's about suppressing the truth so you won't have to submit to god 
that's that is the the epicenter of the of the sinful heart is a desire to pursue our lust at all cost and submit to nothing but our own uh, lustful desires and, and so apart from the work of the spirit in our life apart from the grace of Christ in our life we are going to do everything that we can to avoid submission to God. So if you read through Romans 1, that's that's the dynamics that are going on there. Um, uh, uh, interestingly, in Romans 1, if you if you break down Romans 1, uh, we're, we're doing a series in our church right now in Genesis. And the, the very first truths that you find in the Bible in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 on God's role as sovereign creator, on God's design for, for marriage and relationships, and then God's evaluation and judgment of sin, those are the very three things in sequence that are denied in Romans chapter 1. In that section there on suppressing the truth, they suppress God as creator. They suppress the the truth of how God has designed the relationship between man and woman and marriage to work. And then uh, a Romans one culture will will suppress the truth of God's assessment of sin, and instead they will pursue a hearty approval of sin. So so that's what that's what the culture wants to do. That's what our hearts apart from Christ want to do is avoid submission at all costs. So with that background in mind, it, it is no surprise when the, the world around us and unbelieving hearts read Paul's uh, command in the book of Ephesians for wives to submit to their husbands mm. and, and, and tries to do everything they can to avoid the simple meaning of that text, that, that wives have been given a husband as a shepherd to lead them, and they need to submit to the leadership of their husband uh, as unto the Lord, not because their husbands are perfect, not because their husbands are our God, but because God has providentially placed them in that home with that shepherd. Yeah. Uh, those are those are those are difficult things for our human hearts to process because we don't like to submit. Yeah. Uh, so so we've got to watch out for that temptation and make sure that we're coming back to Scripture to to one say you know what if the Scripture says it I have to obey it. Yeah. And two we need to come back to the Scriptures and say I need to make sure that I understand what this means so that I am obeying what God has said. Yeah. That's really good. Because of the distortion of the word and the understanding of submission, what are some of the common mistakes that husbands can make when leading the home? <laughs> the, the, that's a long list, brother, of mistakes <laughs> that guys like you and I can make yeah. <laughs> in trying to lead our wives faithfully. Um, clearly, our shepherding needs to be a Christ-like shepherding, mm. sacrificial, loving, prioritizing the holiness of our wives above all else. And in that pursuit, I think the two most common ways that we can um, fail in this area is one, we can be uncertain leaders. In other words, we're not convictional. We're yeah. not. We're not really leading at all. Mm. We're allowing our fear of either our circumstances or our fear of our wife mm. to pre uh, prevent us from setting a godly example and from leading our homes the way we need to. So, so there's that uncertain leader where we can just kind of abdicate our role and give our wives nothing to follow. And then the other 
end of the spectrum in terms of mistakes is to try to be an unloving Lord. So this isn't the mistake of fear. It's the mistake of pride. Yeah. Where, where we're lording it over our wives, mm. we're trying to impose our preferences on our family rather than uphold God's standards. We, we want things the way we want them, and rather than putting the other members of our family first as servant leaders, mm. we are lording it over them to try to get what we want. Yeah. And of course, that's not the kind of leadership that Christ has commanded in his church or in a biblical home. Mm. We are to be servant leaders. You know, Christ told his disciples, lording it over people for your preferences, for your good, for, for your own desires. That's how the Gentiles, that's how the unbelievers exercise their leadership. Yeah. That's not how we as believers and especially we as Christian husbands should exercise our leadership in the home. Yeah, so good. In the book, when you talk about the union of marriage, you, you ask a reader if they have considered that God cares about their marriage more than they do. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's maybe a thought that we don't always have. Yeah. We're, we're constantly trying to fix our marriage maybe for our own benefit. I'm tired of having to deal with this. I'm tired of having to deal with that or, 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 or whatever. We want mm. to fix our spouse. That, that, by the way, as a side note, that never works. Yeah. That, yeah. Whenever, whenever folks come into me for marriage counseling, one of the first principles that we have to address is if you're here to fix your spouse rather than deal with your own heart, this is never going to be effective yeah. because you can't change somebody else. Yeah. You can only seek to grow in Christlikeness in your own heart and, 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 and pray and seek to be a means of grace in somebody else's life. So if you're here to get your spouse fixed, that's not going to work. You have to be here to, to, to increasingly submit your heart and faith to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we need to make sure that, that we have that mentality. But at, at the heart of that has to be a desire to bring glory to God. And in the end, that's what God's designed marriage to do. Our marriages are designed to bring him glory. And, and even in the fact that God has designed marriage to be an illustration of the gospel, mm. that the union between a husband and wife is a real-life illustration of the union between Christ and his church, which means when it comes to our marriage, it's not just our own enjoyment. It's not just our own household that's on the line. It's the very glory of God and the reputation of the gospel that's on the line. Yeah. I mean, how many times do unbelievers throw in the face of believers? Well, look, I, I've read the polls. Just as many professing Christians get divorced as, as non-Christians yeah. get divorced. I've yeah. heard that one a numerous, yeah. numerous times. It doesn't make a difference. Mm. And by the way, I, 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 I question the validity of that polling because there's no way to determine whether somebody's truly a believer or not. Sure. Uh, so, so I don't know that those statistics are actually that way. Mm. But my point is our marriages are intended to, to reflect the glory of the gospel, which means there's a real sense in which God cares about the holiness and vitality of your marriage even more than you do, (laughs) which is why you can run back to him, his word, and his grace for help in your marriage, trusting that he's not going to leave you out to dry. He has a vested interest 
in your marriage being faithful to the end. And so you can trust him to guide you towards that end. There are going to be some husbands and wives listening to this whose spouse isn't a follower of Jesus. Can we just spend some time talking through what that looks like and also advise uh, how they can best glorify God in that situation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's a real situation. And of course, we... We, we experience that in our own congregation and shepherd folks through that issue. And, and of course, the, the first passage that comes to mind is, is in 1 Peter 3, when, when Peter tells wives to be subject to your own husbands. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives mm-hmm. when they see your respectful and pure conduct, which means the the manner in which you uh, carry yourself and interact with your spouse can be used by the Lord as a means of grace to to bring your spouse to salvation. Yeah. Uh, additionally, First Corinthians chapter seven, the Apostle Paul addresses this issue, and he talks about how. If 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 you get saved and, and your spouse doesn't, you're married to an unbeliever. As long as that unbeliever is is willing to stay in the relationship, mm. you should as well. Um, he says if if any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. Mm. And then he says in First Corinthians seven fourteen, for the unbelieving husband is made holy or sanctified because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Yeah. And and what I think Paul's talking about there is mm. not that that person will be saved just because you're in the household with him. Mm. I, I what Paul is talking about there is that there will be a protective grace in your home because of your presence. That there will be a set apartness to your home yeah. that is a means of grace that your unbelieving spouse otherwise would not have. Yeah. Yeah. So even though we as believers should not seek out a marriage to an unbeliever, that yeah. would be sinful for us to seek it out. However, providentially, if we find ourselves in that situation, uh, we should not only pray for our spouse, but but seek to be a means of grace in their life so that even though their desire would be suppress, to suppress the truth and run from the Lord, that they'll have a living example of the truth in their own household that the Lord might even use to save their soul. That's so helpful. Paul, you, you mentioned very obviously the key part about praying. Um, if any of the listeners are obviously in that situation, can, can we just talk about what that prayer would look like for their spouse? Well, pray pray for the Lord to save them. Yeah. Pray pray for the Lord to open their eyes and give them a new heart so that they can see Christ for who He is. And 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 when the, and when the Spirit opens somebody's eyes to see Christ for who He truly is, they they they, uh, they never reject Him. Mm-hmm. You know, when 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 that, those sinful scales are removed from from the eyes of our heart to see Christ by the Spirit, we bow before Him in faith. So pray that the Lord would do that. Yeah. And then. I would I would pray and, and and this is how I counsel other believers in this situation through the situation. I would pray for for your own heart as well yeah. in two ways. Pray that the Lord would give you patience yeah. because you're going to struggle with impatience. Why is it the Lord saved my spouse? Mm. You've got to be patient. Mm. The Lord has his timing, the Lord has his will, 
The Lord is good. The Lord does good, as Psalm 119.68 says. So you have to preemptively pray that the Lord would give you a patient contentment with your circumstances. Mm. And then the second thing I would say is pray that through the Spirit's work in your heart, your spouse would be able to benefit from all the fruits of the Spirit in your life. I mean, there there are going to be some clashes when you're a believer and your spouse is not a believer. You're trying to set priorities for your house. You're trying to make decisions. Even things like church attendance can become a flashpoint for marital disagreements between an unequally yoked couple. But in the midst of all that, you should also be growing in Christ-likeness and in the fruit of the Spirit in such a way that your spouse can benefit from fruits like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And as those things are increasing in your life, your spouse might quibble with your theology or your schedule on Sunday morning, but they also get to see the benefits of you being more loving and gentle and kind and tender Mm. and respectful. Mm. And so just pray that the Lord would grow you so that your unbelieving spouse can see those fruits and benefit from those fruits in a way that is compelling and would draw them towards the truth. There are a few things more painful than having children that are disengaged with their faith. What practical tips do you have in how to shepherd children in that situation? Yeah, I think a couple of things is one, you want to be preemptive in a child's life and investing them with truth. Mm-hmm. You can't protect your children from unbelief because unbelief's in their heart. Yeah. So I think some Christian parents have this idea that I can insulate my child and that will protect them. Well, the problem is their sin and unbelief is in their heart. You can't insulate them from that. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I pray for my kids is, Lord, protect the conscience of my child. I don't want to intentionally expose them to sin and, 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 and the culture and the world in such a way that would defile their conscience. So I, I pray, Lord, protect their conscience. But I also pray, Lord, challenge their faith. Mm-hmm. So, so that they are forced to wrestle with whether or not they truly believe Christ as Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. And along the way, we can preemptively protect our children from, from becoming prodigals by investing with them in the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Humble faith in the truth is the only protection that there is from apostasy. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. The Spirit working in our heart to cultivate humble faith in the truth that's what protects us from walking away Mm -hmm. so so many of our children they don't walk away because they go off to university and hear a science professor explain evolution they don't walk away because they, they get caught up with friends who expose them to a sinful lifestyle that they find alluring Sure, those things happen, and there are ways that we can protect our children in those circumstances. But ultimately, they walk away because they lack a humble faith that comes from submitting to the Spirit. Mm -hmm. 
So, so what we want to do preemptively, we can't manipulate, we can't control these things, but preemptively, I want to be used as a means of grace to give my children enough truth that they'll have something to believe in when the Lord tests their faith. Because yeah. that time is yeah. coming as yeah. they get older. Yeah. And I tell my girls this all the time. Yeah. I got three girls, so you know how to pray for me, brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but, but I tell my girls all the time, mm-hmm. look, there, there's going to come a time when, when as you get older, you are going to be less and less protected in your faith by your father. Mm-hmm. And, and your faith is going to be proven in those moments. And, and, and as I warned them of that, that those instances, I also want to give them enough truth, enough theology, enough biblical uh, uh, foundation that they'll have something to stand on, something to believe in when those kind of crisis moments yeah. come. Yeah. I don't want to leave them unprotected when I'm not there. Yeah. I, it, they'll have to choose whether they believe these truths or not. But I want them to have the theology that they need so that when they hear that that university professor uh, uh, attack a Christian worldview with a worldly philosophy, so that when they come across some of these worldly options out there for lifestyle, mm-hmm. that that they will not be left on their own. They will know what God has said about this, and they will know the principles that they need. Then it will be about the Spirit working in their heart to bring about submission, and and, and they will have to choose to stand on God's Word instead of their own wisdom or the wisdom of this world. But I want to protect them from these these things by giving them the truth that they'll need for those circumstances. And then, look, if they do walk away, uh, the 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 model for how to handle a child who 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 walks away from the faith is is the the prodigal son's father, which is just another way of saying the model for how we interact with kids who who are wavering in their faith is God. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's God. It's it's to be loving and kind, even though we're uncompromising with the truth. We're, we're compassionate with our children. And I think one of the things that parents um, struggle with in those circumstances is their own insecurities and embarrassment. Mm, yeah. It's not, yeah. it, it's not, I'm so sad my child walked away from the faith. Or that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But another part of it is I'm so embarrassed that everybody at church is going to see that my child walked away from the faith. What does that say about me? Yeah. And that's just sinful. And that's not going to help you to minister to a prodigal child. Yeah. So you got to repent of that if it is in fact there. And um, and look, when our kids sin, when our kids struggle in their faith, when they have seasons of kind of prodigalism, um, we should not be shocked by that. Our theology, our our doctrine of man that comes from Scripture, should should inform us enough to say, yeah, this is not surprising because this is what is within all of us. Yeah. And we need to pray for God's grace in this moment. Um, so that, that's kind of how, mm-hmm. that's how, how preemptively as, as I shepherd my kids, how I, um, how I try mm-hmm. to think through it. And then that's how I've tried to shepherd some families who have gone through that with older kids. Mm-hmm. So, so so much wisdom in that Paul. It's brilliant. There'll be lots of adult listeners listening to this as well, who who might actually have parents who are older, who might be unbelievers as well. What counsel would you give them, Paul? 
Yeah, that's a great question. That's that's um, uh, that's something that that uh, we actually, interestingly enough, this Sunday evening at our church, mm. we're going to have a Q and A at our church. We have a uh, we have another pastor who's coming in, and he and I are going to be a part of a Q and A on how to minister to your family, yeah. even when they're unbelievers, and how to honor your parents at every stage of life. Mm. And uh, so that's something that we've been thinking about in our church, especially as the Christmas season and all the holidays are coming. We have opportunities to minister to our family. And, yeah. Yeah. and I would just say that, that uh, we have to honor our father and our mother. That's a biblical command. Mm-hmm. Now, it changes a little bit when we, when we leave our family and kind of go out on our own and start our own family. It's no longer an obedience to whatever our parents say. The relationship changes when we leave and cleave with our spouse. But we do need to honor them. And that's going to look differently in different situations. Um, but it does mean we need to serve them in their practical needs. And, and it does also mean that we need to respect them in the experience of their life and in what they've invested in us as their children. And it also means that we need to seek to graciously and winsomely minister the truth to them, yeah. uh, not in a combative way so that we can prove that we're right, but in a loving, compassionate way so that they can benefit from the truth of God in their life. Mm-hmm. So those things take a lot of wisdom in the moment. Uh, but. But we don't when we when we leave the home and, and start a family of our own, our responsibility does not end to our family, mm. and uh, and we have a responsibility to think through how we can we can honor our parents. And by the way, as uh, as a guy who's got three kids still in the home, I'm already trying to think of ways to make it easier on my kids to honor me after they're out on their own as well. Yeah. I want to yeah. make sure that yeah. that. Setting up my life in a way that is easy for them to care for me, easy for them to honor me. I want to live a respectable life, so that it's not hard to respect me. Yeah. I want to. I want to make sure that as they have to care for my practical needs when I get older, I'm uh, I'm honoring the fact that they've got their own practical needs to take care of, and and uh, and, and honoring the fact that they've got a, a family that they've got to minister to in their own home and. Yeah. Those are things that we all wrestle with and, and things that, uh, you know, I'm thankful that, that that as I think about my parents and my extended family, you know, my parents are believers, my siblings are believers, and and uh, so that, that makes it a lot easier on, on me, and I'm thankful yeah. to the Lord for that. Yeah, absolutely. As you was talking, Paul, I, I was kind of thinking about the, um, the <laughs> an illustration of when you're on the plane, they tell you that if it, you know if you're going to have an emergency, they always tell you to get your gas mask first and put it on yourself before helping anybody else. And I was thinking, you, you know, so much wisdom in what you're saying, and you know about how we disciple to other people, whether it be our parents or our kids. But this has got to come from a place where, you know, we have a reservoir that that's full from our own study, from our own faith as well, right? In terms of there's got to be some sort of um, you know maturity and some sort of growth within our own faith journey as well, right? Oh, that's so true. That's mm. a great illustration. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I was just on a plane <laughs> yesterday morning, and they just told me that. And when you were giving yeah. that illustration, it's like, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. We've got to be. There has to be a, a requisite maturity and depth in our own faith if we're going to minister to others. Mm. And this is especially true if you want your kids. If you're raising up your kids now, yeah. 
and and preparing them to go out if you want them to come back to you mm. and seek counsel mm. and seek wisdom you have to prove yourself to be the kind of person who actually has answers yeah yes you know you, yeah. you have to, they have to know you know what if i go back to dad if i call dad yeah. he he he'll know what passage of scripture i need in this moment mm. or he'll be able to help me get clarity i mean that's if you want to the way I describe it is you, you want to put kind of hooks in your kid's life yeah. so that when yeah. they go back, you still have an avenue to speak into their life. Yeah. And some of those are practical. I look for some just practical, fun activities that I can, I can, I can invest with my girls in and so that we have those. For me and my dad, it's golf. Yeah. We both love golf. So whenever I go yeah. visit, he and my brother and I will play a round of golf. And that's – that's three or four hours of us just walking the course together and we're having fun doing what we, we kind of love to do as a hobby, yeah. but it's also kind of a relational hook that brings us together. So some of those hooks in our kid's life are, are practical things that we do with them and mm -hmm. that they'll enjoy doing with us for years to come. But a lot of them, I think the, the majority of them that we should prioritize are, are spiritual hooks. Yeah. I, I want to be... A, a wise counselor for my girls now so that in the future when they're facing situations they're still going to come back to their mother and I and and seek wisdom and they're going to look to us uh, hey I know mom and dad have thought about this I know mom and dad would know what scriptures we need in this I know mom and dad have thought a lot about raising kids and mm -hmm. I've got I've got uh, I've got these issues with my kids. Let's go sit down with mom and dad and ask yeah. them about that. We yeah. want to we want to prove ourselves now, yeah. so that we'll have an avenue to speak into their lives later. Yeah, so good, Paul. What an amazing blessing to to have this time with you and to to hear you articulate what's already written in your fantastic book, Paul. Congratulations on writing the Christian Home, Paul. Tell me about any other projects that you've got going on. What 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 are you planning for the future? Yeah, uh, you know, I, it seems like I keep uh, I keep finding new things that keep me busy. Uh, in addition to ministering the church here and yeah. just preaching the word through uh, Genesis and Galatians right now in our church on Sunday morning and Sunday evening and and the joys of that. But also one of the things that uh, I just I, I just uh, uh, started on this project uh, with a, a sweet little publisher. Uh, Hesed and Emeth, which is a, a publisher up in Canada that that's newer and publishing some uh, Puritan works, trying to get those out there. And and uh, I'm going to be working with them over the next little bit uh, to to get out uh, some material from Stephen Charnock, which is one of my favorite. Yeah. Uh, who's one of my favorite authors? He's got a he's got a chapter in his book, uh, his volumes, The Existence and Attributes of God, two volumes set called Practical Atheism. It's, it's about maybe, I don't know, uh, 80 to 100 pages, depending on which version of the, which, which version of uh, the, the volumes you have. Mm. But it is the most helpful and practical material on unbelief, both for an unbeliever and the unbelief that we as believers still battle in our hearts. It's the most practical material I've ever come across on that issue. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And so I'm going to be working with a publisher to um, 
put that update some of the English there so it's a little bit more accessible and then publish that in a single volume book that is uh, that is accessible to anyone especially lay people in the church so they can benefit from some of these principles on how to identify and deal with unbelief uh, in your heart kind of that mark 9 remember the father of mark 9 tells yeah. jesus i do believe help my unbelief yeah, yeah, uh, yeah i think i think this this material from charnock has been the most helpful in my own spiritual life with that dynamic of of identifying and dealing with unbelief in my heart so i'm excited uh to, to work through it's a little bit different than anything i've done before in terms of trying to to work through some of that and yeah. and lightly update the english so that charnock is still speaking not me but at the same time make it accessible as a discipleship resource for anyone in the church so i'm i'm excited about it and looking forward to to, to digging into it yeah that's exciting when do you reckon we'll see that paul you know we're so early in the process i i i don't know that we have a reasonable timetable um but i'm hoping as soon as possible yeah I'm sure hoping, now that i'm able to i i kind of have finished up some other things we're about to finish up the year uh i'm, I'm gonna be uh, away for a couple of weeks with some opportunities to to think about this and invest some time in it so i'm hoping it'll pick up momentum and, and it'll be available uh, as soon as possible yeah brilliant well we would love to have you back on exposit the words so that we can talk about that book when it comes out paul yeah i'm, gonna, I'm just gonna have to keep working on projects so i can keep getting on the show with you. that's what i'm gonna have to do this is, this is just so much fun that i'm gonna have to figure out an excuse to get back in here i mean it's it's such an encouragement to hear the way you're thinking through these issues and and helping your listeners think through these issues with insightful questions and 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 pointing them to resources and, and even just the the repository of biblical truth that you're putting together through through uh, uh, your growing network of mm. guys mm. Uh, and in the way that you're networking them together so that truth is accessible to people it's really an amazing thing and when you think about it this is there's no time in church history when so much truth is available at the fingertips of god's people yeah, yeah. and so to be able to just catalog it bring it together introduce your listeners to, to faithful guys all around the world I mean, what a benefit that mm. is. And it's just a real privilege for me to to be a small part in that and to be able to be on here with you. I really am honored, brother. Uh, Paul, thank you so much. And we're blessed. We was talking offline before we started recording. You're, you're contributing by giving us your series on Lamentations as well, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, I'm... Uh, we, we preached through... We, we studied through Lamentations. I preached through Lamentations in our church. I remember announcing... You know, our next series, we're going to go through Lamentations verse by verse. Yeah. I think a lot of people were scratching their heads going, Lamentations? Are you serious? <laughs> and, uh, and actually, I think in terms of my own study, and then I think the folks in our church would say this as well, yeah. that was one of the most impactful studies we've ever done together as a uh, church. Yeah. Uh, in part because it deals with the issue of, of how to process suffering. Yeah. Um, and then also in part because it's an area of Scripture that – our people just weren't as familiar with. Yeah. They kind of would, you know, you skim through Lamentations in your annual Bible reading, but it's kind of, you know, it's you just kind of don't exactly know what's going on there. Sure, yeah. And so yeah. for us to take the time through a number of sermons to pick that whole 
uh, book apart and get into the Hebrew and, and get into the implications of it for our life today. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we really, the Lord blessed it in a unique way in our congregation. So uh, I think it's really an, an undeserved blessing and a kindness from the Lord and from you that, that those, uh, those studies are going to be available through your repository of uh, expository preaching. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I'm really excited because I'm the guy that gets a chance to listen to them all as we're uploading them, Paul. So I'm going to have a, <laughs> I'm going to have a real binge through this over the next couple of weeks. So thank, thank you for your friendship, Paul. Thank you so much for your support and for, for your time this morning as well and jumping on to, to speak to us about your new book, The Christian Home. Absolutely, brother. It's my pleasure and uh, our prayers continue to be with you and, and what you're trying to do there. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you.